Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you would like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. As always, it absolutely floors me that there are people like you who take the time to listen to this podcast. I'm so thankful to the Lord to be able to share His good news, and thank you so much for for listening. It really means a lot to me, and I hope I have the chance to connect with you in the future. Today, we're going to be talking about the disciple Matthew. We're continuing this series as we've been working through and looking at each of the disciples and how Jesus interacts with them. And Matthew is one that is so deeply personal. This tax collector turned believer turned disciple, he experienced firsthand the loving mercy of the Messiah, King Jesus, who came to save sinners. He turned around and wrote a lot about it in his gospel. And there's just something so beautiful about the very first gospel, the very first book of the New Testament, being written by someone who most of society was shoved away, ostracized. But Matthew, by grace, became a child of God. And by grace, he's not an outcast, but he is welcomed with open arms into his Savior's family. And that's the same for you and for me, believers, who know what Jesus has done for us and how it changes everything in our lives. And I cannot wait to really explore that with you in this week's podcast. hope you're excited because we're going to be talking about a word in our culture that draws a whole bunch of different reactions and that word is entitlement. It's a buzzword in our culture, sometimes talking about social security, but more often I've seen it used to describe people in the millennial or Gen Z crowd. Many jokes have been made about the supposed snowflake-like resiliency of younger Americans or the participation trophies that our generations demand. <laughs> and online, oh my, if you search entitlement, you will find so many memes, so many jokes made, and debates between various generations about who is entitled and who is not. Now, why do you think people get so offended by the idea of entitlement? Why do we get upset? And we see others get special treatment. There's something deeply spiritual about that. Deep down by nature, we tend to see ourselves in a very filtered way. We gravitate towards thinking that our sacrifices, our good deeds, or our achieved value makes us deserving of special treatment. And I find it so ironic and sad that within ourselves, and I am in that camp too, that we get angry when others get preferential treatment, but we have no issues when that person is us. And this leads to something of monumental importance when it comes to our faith. 
Now, if you've been following along with the podcast, you know that we've been looking at different God questions is what we've labeled them as. These specific questions that each of the disciples had of their Savior, Jesus. And the one that we're going to answer this week as we get insider access to the disciple Matthew's life is this. What's motivating me as I follow Jesus? Do we follow him and sacrifice for him because we think we'll be entitled to something? And if that's not the case, then what is our motivation? Well, Matthew would be the first to tell you what that motivation isn't. Matthew, or Levi is the other name that we call him, was a tax collector. More specifically, a toll collector. So most states across our country have gone away from having the toll stations where you used to throw coins in there. Maybe somebody was actually behind the glass taking a payment. So this is what Matthew would do. He would sit along a well-traveled road between two states within that region of Israel. There was different jurisdictions there. And he would collect tolls for people using the road. His job was one of the most hated professions in Israel. Maybe you're wondering why. I mean, obviously no one likes taxes or tolls, but what's the big deal? The big deal was that Matthew was a traitorous scam artist. A traitor in the sense that as a Jew working for the Roman government, he was seen as the worst of society, turning his back on his people, not just for a job, but a job where he routinely would charge people more than the toll price and pocket all the profit. In fact, Jews saw tax collectors, and this this kind of shows how deeply hated they were. Jews saw tax collectors in the same light as worshipers of a fake god called Molech. Now, if you know the Old Testament, if you worship Molech and you had a firstborn baby boy, you were required to sacrifice him on a burning altar. That is how Matthew was categorized. The worst of the worst, the unclean of the unclean, entitled to nothing but being ostracized and motivated purely by greed and by money. But then Jesus came. And Matthew had set up his booth close to Capernaum, a town in which Jesus spent a lot of time. And we don't know exactly how much exposure Matthew had had with Jesus before this point, but it's pretty conclusive. He knew who Jesus was. One day, Matthew is sitting at his booth like usual with Roman soldiers at his side. And he must have heard the commotion about Jesus healing a paralyzed man. Could have been the same day. And maybe he had even heard that Jesus had forgiven this man's sins. And as Matthew's sitting there, baking in the Galilean sun, Jesus stops at his booth. And Matthew 9 says, Jesus saw him. Now this word for seeing in Greek is more than just a passing glance. This is a very intentional. He is locked into Matthew's eyes. He is capturing his attention. And he says two words. Follow me. Now, Matthew, he's telling his autobiography here. He immediately leaves everything behind. He leaves his booth, leaves all the money there, and he starts following Jesus. This this is amazing stuff, right? This tax collector, this worst of the worst, this con artist is following Jesus, leaving his greedy obsession behind. 
I mean, this should be a huge celebration. This is, you, know, you think of the parable of the lost son. This is it. Matthew coming home, coming to his Savior as Jesus approached him. But there was a group that wasn't celebrating. And that would be the Pharisees. Matthew is obviously so thrilled that Jesus noticed him, that Jesus had changed his heart, changed his life. He's so thrilled about this that he has Jesus follow him into his own home. I think there's such a neat wordplay there that Jesus has followed me and then Jesus ends up following Matthew to his home. And Matthew, he invites all of his friends, more rejects, sinners, undesirables, tax collectors, prostitutes, to celebrate that Jesus had called him. But when the Pharisees see this, they turn to Jesus' disciples. If you can just imagine this scene, this banquet hall of Matthew. He's a very wealthy man. He's picturing the doorway, this little huddle of Pharisees and the disciples watching on tentatively. And they ask the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I have to think, the disciples are trying to grapple with that too. These are people no one wanted to be associated with. Why in the world would Jesus want to spend time with scum, with them, with Matthew? In ancient Near East culture, there was a closeness communicated. If you ate a meal with someone, that's partially still true today. If you have a meal with someone, there's a level of intimacy in that relationship that's given. The disciples knew if their teacher was associated with them, they would be guilty by association too. And odds are they could have been ripped off by Matthew personally. And these disciples, they had left everything to follow Jesus. And now they're going to be known as the guys who follow a teacher who don't spend time with kings, who doesn't spend time with kings, but with criminals, pariahs, and undesirables. Do you see the temptation? The temptation of entitlement lurking in the Pharisees and very possibly the disciples' hearts. Do you see it in your own? The thought, well, at least I'm not like her. At least I'm better than him. God, look at the sacrifices I've made to follow you in my life. I deserve happiness. Have you ever thought those things? Because I have. Why does it bother me when I think of someone who struggles with transgenderism? Why does it bother me when I think about someone who had an abortion, someone who's been a drug dealer, someone who's been an addict or is an addict and has hurt people again and again, someone with far different political views, someone who has hurt me personally, someone I just cannot stand. And you're telling me, Jesus, that to follow you, I need to associate myself with them. I want to spend time with people like that. This is soul deep stuff we're talking about. But why else are you listening to this podcast? Why else do we spend time with our Savior but to explore the depths of our hearts? Now God's word is always greater and always more illuminating. Because deep inside each of us, because of our sinful nature, there is a sense of spiritual entitlement. This lie that Satan has put in front of me throughout my life, he's put in front of you too, that says, Jesus, look at what I've done for you. I've paid my dues. Look at the sacrifices I've made. Look what I'm doing for you. They haven't done any of that. Do I really need to associate myself with them, Jesus? Are they really worth my time or even yours? But God be praised because Jesus, he overheard all these lies then and he still overhears them today and he responds with the voice 
of his word. Every temptation you face, Jesus is there. He looks at these Pharisees. His disciples were actively listening as well, right alongside those Pharisees. And he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying this, I came to save people who are spiritually sick and lost. I came to save people who don't think, who know that they are sick and dying and not trying to pretend that everything's okay and refusing my aid and my grace. I came to save people who think that God could never love them. The forgotten, the hurting, the broken, the guilt-ridden, the shame-suffocated who feel so unworthy. I came to find people who feel so lost in grief and despair, who see all their sins before them and are crushed. I came for people carrying the weight of trying to create or achieve an identity. I came for sinners. That's Jesus. Often what motivates us if we're being transparent, if we're being absolutely upfront, what motivates us is entitlement so often of the time. And when we see God's law, it crushes us. We realize that often we think we're healthy or righteous when we're really not. But that crushing, that feeling as you look at the mirror of God's law, where you feel so inadequate and so exposed, I hope you know that that's a blessing. Seriously. This is one of the foremost blessings Jesus has given you and has given me. And Martin Luther said in the very first of his famous 95 theses that we think of him nailing on the castle church door, Reformation Day, 1517, October 31st. This was the very first thesis. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Do you know what keeps those thoughts of entitlement at bay? It's remembering, again, this is God's grace working. It's remembering who we used to be before God began his work in our hearts. Every single one of us, no matter where you are on the planet, we all used to be dead in sin. We all used to be enemies of God, hating anything to do with him. And for some of us, that showed itself with substance abuse, saying, God, nope, you can't give me help. I'm going to turn to this. For some of us, it was being driven by greed like Matthew, chasing after all the pleasures and wealth of this world. For some of us, it was being controlled by sexual impulse, for some pride, for others loss. All of us, every single one of us listening to this podcast, and yes, the blood-bought soul speaking this podcast to you, every single one of us, were once lost, categorized and identified by our sin sickness. None of us were entitled for Jesus to come into our lives, much like Matthew, who's just sitting at this booth. He did nothing to approach Jesus. So too, we did nothing to approach God. We couldn't. We can't. But in love, he approached you. And he approached me. And he approached Matthew. And he says, follow me. He spoke to us through the gospel and said, follow me. Yes, we need to remember who we used to be, not to dwell on it, but to examine ourselves so we remember how amazing God's grace is. Do you know why it's a God-given blessing when we examine ourselves in the exposing and healing light of the Bible? Because our misguided entitlement becomes exposed. And the beauty of that is, you and I, we stop looking to achieve what we can only receive by God's gracious hands. 
When God leads us to that realization over and over in our lives, he turns our eyes from within to look at him and says again and again, remember, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. And then this beautiful jaw-dropping, page-stopping page or phrase that Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Quoting from Hosea chapter 6, and he says, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He came to call people like Matthew. He came to call people like you and me out of darkness and into his light. He desires to give you his faithful love, his mercy, his grace. For all those moments we turned our back on him, instead of desiring sacrifice from us, he desired it for himself. He chose to love the unlovables like you and me and walk the road to the cross alone and despised so that you and I could walk with him and know his love which will never run dry. He sat down at the table of our hearts, the Holy Spirit working through the word, our hearts that were once surrounded by influences that wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and Jesus chose to make a home within you. He chose you and me who would never choose him. He chose to associate with us, and not just at an arm's length, acquaintance sort of a way, but in the closest connection possible. So close. And this is, this is amazing. So close that through faith, he has made you so tight to him. So tight that he wants you to know every day that when he died, we died with him. That's how close we are to Jesus. That's how our identity is tied up with his. When he rose, he wants us to think and know and believe that we rose too. He wants to share everything with you, to enjoy the compassion of God. And like Matthew, what does that do? We can't help but want to get up every day, leaving everything if need be, if that's what Jesus calls us to do. Because to walk with Jesus, to follow him, there's, there's nothing better. And we see the majesty of that fact we can't help but do what Matthew did, and that's celebrate. Right? When we think about the fact that our identity in Jesus was received and not achieved, then what happens? It changes your entire vision of people. We don't see anyone as untouchable or unlovable. We see them like Jesus does, people for whom he died. And so we love them. We strive to unconditionally. And yes, our sin is still within us. And yes, that battle rages. But we want to share Jesus by faith. We want to share him with our words, with our handshakes, with our hugs, with the food on our dinner table, or with a Snapchat story of how Jesus has changed your life. Facial expressions of joy and we see them. Whoever them is for you. Or even a text of encouragement. We... We gladly sit at the literal and metaphorical tables of unlovables and share. And through such tables, we watch them transform into the celebration table of Jesus. So what, the God question, right? What is motivating me as I follow Jesus? It's all grace. You know what happens when, as grace motivates you and you're belonging to God, Christian life, I like to think of it as a lifestyle of celebrating. Definition of celebrating, celebrating Jesus with every breath you take. You can't help but want to look for moments to celebrate Jesus. Those celebrations, keep in mind, they're always going to look different. You can celebrate as you see a new, a new person joining your church 
or maybe a member you've seen for a long time, you've never actually talked with them, and you could say, hi, I don't know you yet, but I'm so excited that you're here celebrating that that person is in the house of God with you hearing the good news of Jesus. Or even this, celebrating can look like smiling at that person at work that drives you nuts, but you can celebrate because Jesus has given you that person to love. How cool is that? You celebrate in Jesus by striving to be unafraid to let your Christianity run free. You celebrate even in moments of sadness because you know Jesus lives to approach you in moments of weakness. You celebrate in Jesus because you know your Heavenly Father celebrates the joy of having you in His family every second of every day. And for Matthew, he got to celebrate by writing what has become the very first book of the New Testament. I think there's something beautiful in this. The worst of the worst at that time, in that culture, has shared his celebration of Jesus and his grace with literally millions and millions of people over 2,000 years. A gift he was never entitled to, but a gift God gave him. He wrote a gospel through the Holy Spirit designed to reach people like the Pharisees who hated him, filled with Old Testament and Jewish references. He's the first one to give his voice as the Bible switches from the Old Testament to the New. And there's something so beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about the discipleship Jesus has called you to as well. Every day, Jesus speaks to you through his word and says, follow me. And like Matthew, we get up and go. Because no matter where he takes us, we know that the celebration awaits. Amen. My prayers are with you as you live that celebrating lifestyle, as you follow Jesus, watching his grace do things you never thought possible. There's nothing more incredible than being a Christian. And my prayers, again, are with you and God's richest blessings as you follow him this week and the rest of your life.